0: Hey, friends, this is Ray Kozek. Thanks for listening in. This is Jesus in the Center, one year Bible podcast. Today is day number 44. All right, I knew it was something like that. I'm going to start today with a quote from our good friend Martin Luther. He says this It is a living, busy, active, mighty thing, this faith. It is impossible for it not to be doing good works incessantly. Isn't that cool? Faith is not just a pie in the sky, not just something in our brains. It's something that pours out. He says it's living, busy, active, and mighty, and it does good works. We see that today in our Exodus reading. We're going to read from Exodus 35 and 36, and we see God, uh, who, who had put faith in these people's hearts, uh, to be li- li- to be living, busy, active, and mighty. God who put that faith in their hearts is also the God who gives. We see this in the death of our lord the very giving of the life of god for us. All right, so let's let's jump right in. We won't spend too much time in Exodus. We'll just rejoice in it. Yesterday at the end of Exodus 35 verses around 5, Moses said this, "Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution." All right, so whoever is generous can do this. Is it demanded of the people? Are they told to bring 10% of all their stuff? No, they're just said, whoever wants to. Now, remember where we are. These people, they have sinned greatly. And the ones who are still alive are the ones who repented. They know Moses has been telling them that God is gracious. God is a forgiving God. God has not cast you off as his people. Sinners though you be, he makes a way to bring you back. He is the one who forgives iniquity. And so whoever is of a generous heart, come and give. And as I was looking this over, there's about 14 different things that the Lord says, come and give these things. These are the things that will be used to make the tabernacle. And it's very interesting that they are giving of the thing whereby once it's made, it will God will then forgive their sins. And so this is not like buying an indulgence, buying a way to uh, be forgiven, it's kind of like when people gather together to build a church. You know, that, that church will be used to proclaim God's name, God's word, God's forgiveness. By giving towards the church, you're not buying that forgiveness, that word, but it's God uses your generosity to, to, um, to bring it. All right, so it's great stuff. We see both the giving of the resources and then the, the crafting of the resources. I like the paragraph in verse 20 uh, of chapter 35. It says, uh, They came, everyone whose heart stirred him, and everyone whose spirit moved him. It goes on and says, Both men and women, all who were of, were of a willing heart, every, every man dedicating an offering to the Lord, an offering of gold to the Lord. It says in verse 24, Everyone who could, Make a contribution. So e, the NIV has it a little bit differently, but I like the ESV. It says, everyone who could make a contribution, they brought it. Verse 25, uh, it said, talks about the skillful women who, sp- who spun with their hands. Verse 26, all the women whose hearts stirred within them. Verse 29, all the men and all the women, the people of Israel. Notice, they're not, it's important because we, we've been thinking about whose people are they? Well, they're the people of Israel. Those who wrestled with God, not the perfect people, but those who, who God did not give up on and who gave them a new name, right? Just like He gave Israel, Jacob, a new name, uh, the one who wrestles with God. Well, here the people are, had wrestled with God, they'd sinned against God, but they're limping along in faith. Uh, and it says that all the people of Israel whose heart moved them to bring anything for the work of the Lord, and then it says that it's a free will offering. And In Hebrew, it's it's the same. It's confusing, but it's it's like a double double. It's the same word that's used for a verb and for a noun. It's a free will willingness, something like that. It's a an open hearted open heartedness, and that's what God gave them, and so they bring lots of different things. Uh, it's really awesome, and then it says that, you know, we like to think of of those in the church or whoever. Where, you know, if you're really smart, if you're really a good speaker, you're the important people. Like Moses and Aaron, you're the leader. The leader of the church, the leader of Israel. But here, in this text, chapter 35 to 30 and so on, it talks about two men who then inspire many, many other men and women. Uh, Bezalel and then later I Can't say those guys' names. But it says that they are filled with the Spirit of God. These guys are filled with the Spirit of God to, to do what? To teach and preach, uh, to judge, to lead? No. Well, in some sense, they will lead. But to be craftsmen, to, to make beautiful things. God, it says, gives them skill and intelligence and knowledge and craftsmanship and, and an ability to devise artistic designs. Like, man, do we need more Christian artists Yes, we do. It also says that they're good at working in gold and silver and bronze and cutting stones and carving in wood and everything. And then it talks about the the inspiration to teach others and then also to engrave and design and embroider and weave, like all these things. It's like, can you think of it? Yeah. And think of, you know, how the tabernacle is modeled after that which is in heaven, the beauty of the living God in heaven, if he is full of glory, you know, it's it's cool to see that he has inspired craftsmen on earth to replicate that beauty, to show off that beauty. And so the Lutheran Church, we could say that the Catholic Church, universal, throughout history, has used not just God's word, which is powerful, but also music and art. To show God's glory in in the small way we that in the small way we, that we can, yet this was from God. It, anyway, I'm rambling on, but I just think it's over. It's so cool. Uh, so I guess we pray for more musicians, more artists, uh, more craftsmen. All right. Well, the people they uh, they bring their stuff, and it says that like, wouldn't this be a great problem? They just bring it and they bring it and they bring it every morning. This is chapter 36, verse 3. They still kept bringing him him free will offerings. Uh, the open-hearted, open-heartedness. Uh, the free will, willingness. This, this stuff, they keep bringing it. And the craftsmen, they say, the people bring much more than enough for doing the work the Lord has commanded us. We don't need it all. All these this pile of gold, this pile of uh, bronze, uh, all the uh, oil to make the anointing oil, all the stuff to make the perfume. It's like, it's more than enough. We don't need it all. What a great problem to have, right? May the Lord bless us like that, that we might be so generous. All right, well, we're going to stop there and think about our generous God. We're going to j- skip over to Matthew, Matthew chapter 27. And here we, see, here we see Jesus in Matthew 27 as the ultimate giver, the one who gives and gives and gives nonstop. And yet it seems like his life is ending. But no, in, in his life ending, he is giving. And here, Matthew connects what he's doing with Psalm 22. So I'm going to read four verses from Psalm 22, all of which are echoed or uh, quoted either by Matthew or Jesus himself. So look at the, listen to this. Math, um, Psalm 22, verse 1, says this. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Sound familiar? These are the words of Jesus on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What a cry. They call it the cry of dereliction, the cry of distress. It's pretty likely that when Jesus prayed that, that prayer, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's not just thinking of verse one. Usually it would be code for the whole psalm these Jewish men and women and even kids, they would have memorized the whole book of Psalms. It was just what they sang and said all the time. And so, of course, Jesus would have known it. And Psalm 22 is amazing because here, this is written by King David. And you, you probably know this. He is describing an experience of being crucified. He talks about his hands and feet being pierced. And this is centuries. I believe he's, he lives around a 1,000 Uh, BC. He is describing the experience of being crucified so long in advance before it even existed and before it was practiced by the Romans. And so, uh, listen to these verses. I'm going to read from verse uh, 6, 7, and 8. But I'm a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. And then again, uh, verse 18 says this, they, they divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Each of those and more that we'll see later uh, come from Psalm 22. These words of David that are ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. And so in the life of Jesus, it says that uh, they crucified him. They divided his garments among them by casting lots. Also just want to back up a little bit. They, they found this man... Jesus is at the point where he cannot even carry his own cross. The flogging that he has received is brutal. He he could die at any time. His organs might be coming out his back, might be bare. It's horrible. Uh, they put a crown of thorns on him, all these things that they've done to him. And so he cannot carry his cross. And so they conscript uh, Simon, Simon of Cyrene. This is a North African man. He probably would have... Uh, been dark in skin, uh, at least in some way, maybe very dark or, um, definitely brown skinned man. Later on, it says that, um, in the, I believe it's Romans chapter 16, Paul says that, uh, this man may be, a, a father of a couple of the men in the church there. So anyway, it's kind of connected there. We, Mark is more specific about that. If you read Mark chapter 15, anyway, Also, Psalm 69, verse 21, it seems to be quoted. Psalm 69 is one of those lament psalms. One of those psalms where where the, the psalmist is crying out, Oh God, why? Why are you letting me go through this horrible thing? Verse 21 of this lament psalm says this, They gave me poison for food, and for my thirst they gave me sour wine to drink. Well, that seems to be quoted here by Matthew. In verse 33, when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, which is that word skull in Latin is where we get, it's Calvaria, where we get Mount Calvary. When they came there, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall, but when he tasted, he would not drink it. This gall would have eased his pain, but Jesus, Jesus rejects it. He will not have his suffering eased. He will as he prayed in the garden, he will drink the whole cup, the whole cup of God's wrath to the very last drop. And that is a reference to Obadiah, the the book in the Old Testament that is one chapter long. Anyway, we see Jesus crucified with two robbers, one on each side. They they rail against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. And that's where we get the signs that I often see over a crucified Jesus, I-N-R-I the Inri, that's uh, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Um, Rex is the R there, the one who reigns. And they 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 say, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. And we know that Jesus is the Son of God, but for that very reason, he cannot come down from the cross. He must do the will of his Father. He must He must come to save us. There's no other way to save us than that he would be crucified for us. Verse 43, I'll read that. That's the other quote from Psalm 22. He trusts in God. Let him deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I am the son of God. And even the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Well, Jesus is there on the cross. And from noon until three, it says that the sky is dark. Think of you know, here coming up in a couple of months, we'll have a, what, 30 seconds or a minute of darkness when we have a solar eclipse. How much more if there were three hours of darkness, 180 minutes of darkness, deep darkness, creation itself mourning, wailing, grieving the death of its creator. And about the ninth hour, three, around three o'clock in the afternoon, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, quoting Psalm 22 and in fulfilling it. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The answer to that, uh, we will read a little bit more, maybe tomorrow, as we read a little bit more of Psalm 22. Why did God allow Jesus to be forsaken? We'll see even the very answer to that in Psalm 22 and also the rest of this gospel. Well, Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And then it says, Behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two. This is what we've been reading about, about the tabernacle in the wilderness that they are building. It has a couple of, well, the whole thing is covered at that time with curtains. But there is a veil between, there's a couple of different options that could rip in half here. It could be the, the curtain that goes from the courtyard, whether it's the temple or the tabernacle, into the holy place or it could be there's two rooms when you get in there there's the holy place and then the most holy place and the most holy place had the ark of the covenant that's where the high priest only went once a year in the holy place that's where the priest would go on a daily basis so which of these were ripped into we don't know probably the one that goes to the most holy place you can see that if you when we get to the book of hebrews but it rips in two from top to bottom. You know, we could see maybe if we get a big knife and scissors, we could rip that thing in half from the bottom to the top if you just yank on it and start cutting it. But to have it torn from top to bottom, that is a different matter. That happens because of Jesus. The death of Jesus destroys the dividing wall between God and man. And we give thanks to God for that. And you have creation itself here, again, just Rolling, it the earth shook, the rocks were split, and tombs were opened. And there is this this is uh, this is there is nothing in the history of the world like this. There's nothing I can say to 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 bring us to that moment where there's darkness and the Son of God dying and uh, the earth shaking. And we'll see later, even at Matthew kind of fast forwards. There's people risen from the dead. Don't understand all that. You can read a commentary on it. What we do see is that the centurion, this centurion, this pagan man, he saw how the earth shook, and especially we see in the Gospel of Mark, how he breathed his last. Here it says, what took place. He sees it all. He's filled with awe, and he says, truly, this was the Son of God, or a son of God. Based on his religion, he probably said, this is a son of God. This is one of... One, this is a God who had died. We just killed a God. So whether he says we just killed a God or we just killed God, he is, he is filled with fear and awe. He can't believe what he did. Really, I crucified this man who was more than a man? Well, he confesses and he has faith. Uh, Mark puts a really great emphasis on this that we'll get to when we read through the Gospel of Mark. Well, the sun is setting. And it is time to take Jesus down from the cross. A courageous disciple that in other times, in times past, was afraid, afraid to admit that he's a disciple of Jesus. He comes now, he asks for the body of Jesus from Pilate. He takes him down. We see in the other Gospels that he also, he also gathers, along with Nicodemus, a large amount of spices. A, uh, something fitting for a wealthy man. He, we don't see Matthew tell us that, but we do see that Matthew says that that he lays Jesus in his own new tomb, which he had cut in the rock, and he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb, and he went away. And these times, uh, the entrance rolling a stone to close it that would have been easy. It would have been sort of leveraged with like a you know a a big uh, board, and it would have just kind of popped into place. There'd be a groove that would have hold it. So to to close this Tomb or ossuary, a place where the bones would be uh, laid and dried out, and then um, the bones would later be gathered into these boxes. Uh, but for a time, um, the the body was laid here so it would sort of decay. But this this uh, door, as we know, had to be tight because we didn't want animals or other things getting in there. So to close it would be easy. To open it would take many people. Uh, that's just the way they were designed. And we see our, our, our text ends today with the women at the tomb. And the next day, whether that's uh, Saturday or that's after sundown on Friday, the, we see the chief priests and the Pharisees gather around Pilate and ask for a guard. These guys have had a long day, haven't they? They've really accomplished a lot. They got the one rabble rouser that was showing their, their folly, their own efforts to get to God who the man who put them in their place, the man who convicted them of sin, the man who exposed their hypocrisy, well, they got rid of him, didn't they? Mission accomplished. Well, they don't know it, but it is God's mission accomplished. It says in 1 Corinthians 2 that if they would have known that Jesus was the Lord of glory, they would not have crucified him. He's not done, as we'll see uh, as we keep on reading. Well, Thanks for listening in. I'm so glad you're reading the Bible each day and and praying and and contemplating it and and bringing it into your daily life. Keep reading and praying and being a faithful Christian, one who brings free will offerings because you know the Lord forgives. One who worships Jesus because you know he died for you. So, go in peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.